Hi, I'm Barry Pilling. I'm the Being Human blog editor, and you are listening to the fantastic Being Human cast. It's Lisa, back with another chapter of Kinky Claus's Being Human fanfic. I've got a little bit of news to cover, and then we'll get into the next chapter. So, of course, the big news is that Series 3 will begin airing in the U.S. on BBC America beginning Saturday, February 19th at 9 p.m. Eastern and Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Central. So start planning those viewing parties. If you're already planning one or you've got some ideas for a great viewing party, Leave a comment under the post for this episode over at beinghumancast.com and let us know about it. Or, if you'd be interested in attending a viewing party with other Being Human Cast listeners, go ahead and leave a comment about that, and who knows? Maybe we can help facilitate some Being Human Series 3 premiere party meetups or something, if there are enough interested people in the same area. That would be kind of cool. By the way, if you're lucky enough to be watching Series 3 right now, you might be interested in the companion web series called Becoming Human. It's a little different than the prequel videos they did a while back. It's sort of a spin-off centering around a teenage vampire named Adam that we meet in Series 3. Um, those of you who've been watching probably know what I'm talking about. According to SciFiMafia.com, although it's set in a high school... Stop and actually watch at least the first episode before you shrug it off as just a CW version of being human. They say it's anything but sexy teens with problems. I haven't seen it yet, so I can't vouch for it, but if Toby Whitehouse created it, I'm willing to put my trust in him and just go with it. You can see the episodes and find out all the info about Becoming Human at its official BBC site, bbc.co.uk slash blogs slash becominghuman. And the site says there will be eight episodes, and new episodes are released every Sunday at 10 p.m. Apparently, you can also get deeper into the mystery with mobile phone videos, newspaper clippings, character profiles, and other updates revealed daily by the characters themselves. Folks outside of the UK can see most of the content on that site, but we can't watch any of the videos. I'm hoping that once Series 3 starts in the U.S., the BBC America site will have a Becoming Human section so we can watch the web series and videos as well. Also, be sure to head over to the official BBC Being Human blog, where blog editor and friend of the podcast, Barry Pilling, put together a two-part post in which he got series creator Toby Whitehouse to answer questions submitted by fans. So that's pretty interesting. The Sci-Fi Channel version of Being Human has been going strong and getting some pretty good reviews, I hear. I haven't had a chance to watch any of the episodes yet. They're patiently waiting in my Hulu queue for me to catch up with all my other shows, but I definitely intend to check it out for myself. Susie and I are still planning to get together in the hopefully near future to record our thoughts on the first few episodes, but we'd love to know what you guys think of it, so let us know. Just one more thing before we get into this week's chapter. Here's a promo for the awesome sci-fi genre podcast, Tuning In to Sci-Fi. So Ghost infected Frank. He passed it on to the other guys, and I got it from his corpse. Right. Hello, Echo. How are you feeling? Did I fall asleep? For a little while. Previously on Heroes. You had to go and be the detective, didn't you, Matt? I'm not an aggressive person. 
Ugh, man, there's just way too much on all these channels. But only in game. Everybody lives, Rose. Just this one. In your dreams, Nutloaf. Bite my shiny metal hat. Sometimes I get, I get vision. Walter, what are you doing? What you learned? I wish there was some way to find out what's really worth watching. There is. What? Who? What was that? Tuning into Sci-Fi TV is the viewer's guide to genre television. Where is that coming from? With its spoiler-free quick reviews and water cooler and the spoiler-filled in-depth back porch discussions, Tuning into Sci-Fi TV is the only resource fans need to know what's on, what's good, and what's coming soon in science fiction and fantasy television. How did you get into my house? Join Kevin, Wendy, and Brent each week for the latest in genre television. I'm calling the police. Uh, you can find Tuning Into Sci-Fi TV at TuningIntoSciFiTV.com. No, seriously. How did you get into my house? And now, Chapter 5 of Kinky Claus's Being Human fanfic, Aftermath, If Nothing Changes. Chapter 5 The pink house on the corner stood, keeping a vigil over the strange occupants within. In the kitchen, Annie busied herself making cups of tea and coffee, as she usually did upon returning home. Mitchell had settled himself at the table, watching her while pondering the events of the evening. Both of them, however, kept wondering what was going on upstairs. As soon as they had gotten into the house, George had given his housemates an apologetic, almost guilty look as he and Nina, not even stopping for a drink, headed up to his room. Mitchell and Annie hadn't heard any screaming or breaking furniture since, so things were hopeful. Sipping at the dregs of his third cup of coffee in half an hour, Mitchell looked at the ceiling. They've been up there for a long time. I wonder what they're doing. There's a lot to explain, and you know what George is like, Annie offered, sliding another cup across the table and taking the empty one away. Mitchell, meanwhile, was on his feet and searching the cupboards for breakfast. George had been unable to properly speak since they sat on the bed. He'd asked Nina if she was all right. He knew her response of, fine, was dishonest, but he also knew he had no right to expect her to just be all right with this. He wondered how long it would be before she simply left. Who could live with a werewolf? A killer one at that, he amended mentally, aware of what he'd done for his friends, but still not able to feel anything about it. It felt unreal to him. He'd have to see later, but right now, he needed to try to be strong for Nina. Being strong. That wasn't something he was very good at. The silence was deafening, and he couldn't think of a single thing to say which wouldn't sound trite or offhand, neither of which were good for this kind of situation. Normally, he would be trying to form the words before he had formed the thought, a habit he was trying hard to break, but had been so far unsuccessful. But here... Now, in his room, with the woman he loved dearly, he couldn't bring himself to say anything. Still on full sensory overload, he could almost swim in Nina's scent, the weedy smell of the natural shampoo she used, mingled with the sweet smell of the lemon soap on her skin. None of that could hold a candle to her natural scent, which always came through underneath, that sustaining smell of living, human flesh, so different to the slightly dead smell of Mitchell or the barely detectable scent of ozone from Annie. Though this morning, even the comforting crumb of Nina's redolence seemed corrupted. She smelt a little like he himself did, though 
Looking at it, she had spent a lot of time with him in wolf form, which no one had ever done before. The wolf musk had rubbed off on her temporarily, it seemed. George didn't have to strain to hear the clanking of spoons downstairs, could smell the fresh tea and the small crack as Annie broke the seal on their last jar of instant coffee. The detached, careful part of him made a mental note to add coffee to the week's shopping list. This was the part of himself that, unbeknownst to anyone, had kept him sane. This rational part, which was so often drowned out during everyday life, had kept him from taking his own life despite the dark thoughts that raged inside him on the long, lonely, cold nights. The rational side of him, which preferred order to chaos and neatness over disorder, had also embodied the stronger parts of his faith. Faith in himself, trust in Mitchell and Annie, who were, in point of fact, the only things he had left to believe in aside from a god he often felt had turned his back on him. Yet this absurdly rational mind of his told him that God existed, that he was this way for a reason, and he had not been abandoned. That was why he had Mitchell and Annie, and now Nina. Though, right now, George felt lost, adrift. Could he ever really expect Nina, or anyone, to love him in spite of this? That was all he really wanted, acceptance and love, but he was beginning to think by the way Nina was keeping her distance that he was about to lose her just as he had Julia, not once but twice. Was it really too much to ask for someone other than Mitchell and Annie to accept him? So, that was your big secret, Nina said softly, matter-of-factly, breaking into his thoughts. George, sitting to her right with his knees drawn to his chest with one of the cushions resting against his shins, nodded. He was looking at her, but seemed lost and afraid, yet not as much as she expected. He hadn't tried to embrace her or anything they would normally do, but for that she was grateful. She didn't think she could bear to have her right arm move at the moment. He was watching her with bright but distant eyes. That was... is... it... Why, why didn't you tell me? I told you you can talk to me about anything. She couldn't help it. She was unable to keep the accusatory tone from her voice, but the flinch away that it inspired in George made her feel instantly guilty. Why did you keep it from me? He stared down toward the cushion at his feet. I, I'm sorry. He met her gaze, gauging her reaction. But... Would you really have believed it unless you'd seen it? On that point, she had to concede. No. No, I, I probably wouldn't. She offered a smile in spite of the situation. But preferring that I'd think you were a pedo? Honestly. George snorted with a suppressed laugh and looked at her. There was something different about him. She's not seen that in his eyes for a long time. Hope. The brief glimpse died almost as soon as she saw it. George regarded her, and all humor faded. His eyes flicked to every part of her face, her hair, her body, like he was memorizing every detail. It was something more... He frowned, searching for the term. More normal than the truth. Pedos aren't normal, George. Not normal at all. Nina sighed actually understanding what he meant, but still too tense to stop her emotional armor of sarcasm and anger from kicking in. 
So, how long have you, um, had this? Two and a half years. This time, he made no attempt to look at her. Instead, he found his trainers, which were peeking out from under the cushions, far more interesting. Mitchell found me and saved my life. He... Without him, I'd have been dead long ago. George drew a shaky breath, reformed his tempestuous thoughts into some semblance of order. That's why I was in that room with... with him. The way George said him made it clear he wasn't referring to Mitchell anymore. Who was he? Nina asked suddenly. He was a vampire. Mitchell knows him. Herrick, I think his name is. George paused, clearly talking about any of this was difficult for him. As difficult as she found it to speak of the things her ex-boyfriend had done to her, Nina realized with a jolt. Was. He was high up in rank among the vampires. He... He's the one who tried to kill Mitchell the other day. He would have killed me, too. And Annie. Mitchell was going to fight him, so Annie and I could have a couple of days head start to get away. I... Nina, Mitchell's done so much for me. He's my best friend. I'm closer to him than I ever was to any of my brothers. He's been good to me, and vampires aren't normally good to people like... people like me. George licked his lips, stemming the sudden flow of verbal diarrhea he had suddenly developed. He needed her to understand. I couldn't let him or Annie die. I had to do something. Annie's a ghost. She's already dead, Nina blurted. Ghosts can still be killed. And Annie's so nice, she doesn't deserve to be murdered again. He sounded defensive and slightly offended. Nina held up her hands, realizing that she'd overstepped a mark. I'm sorry. I'm just really tired. I didn't mean anything. George nodded his understanding. This would be a bewildering series of events for her. He had to take that into account with Nina right now. Before he too could apologize for speaking so sharply, his girlfriend spoke again. So you decided to take him on all by yourself to look after them. George nodded, but didn't immediately interrupt Nina. And broke up with me because... Because... Because you're too good a person to be brought into this... Madness, George finished. You don't deserve it. And I don't deserve you. Nina sighed. She heard the watery waver in George's voice, but also heard those bloody words again. You don't think I should get a say in this. Again. Every time you keep pushing me away. Face to face is bad enough, but at least it shows character. But this? She drew the crumpled letter out of her jacket pocket, the jacket she only now realized she was still wearing. You thought this was the best way to dump me? George quietly accepted her admonishments. She was right. Of course she was. I only had a few hours to arrange everything, and if I... I saw you, I might not have been able to... to do what needed to be done. He swallowed and remained still, looking anywhere but at her. He frowned, lost in thought, as Nina shifted uncomfortably. What... what did Mitchell mean about the wolf backing down? George asked after a moment, regarding Nina curiously with an uncharacteristic intensity. 
Mitchell had explained to her last night that George never remembered anything he did in his wolf state, and, if he or Annie knew anything, they didn't tell him in any kind of detail. On this he was particularly insistent because, he explained, George was sensitive on the point. She explained cautiously how he had stopped battering the door of the dungeon when she went near the peephole and stared at her for a long moment before moving away and quietening down considerably. George looked her up and down sympathetically. "'I'm sorry you had to find out like this, to, to go through what you did last night.' He reached out to touch her, but Nina pulled her injured arm away. George stopped, hand hovering in midair for an instant, then withdrew, curling his fingers up and pressing his lips together unsteadily. My name is Donovan McElroy. I have a question for you. Are you sick of vampire mania yet? I sure hope not, because you see, I'm a vampire. No, I don't sparkle, and no, I'm not older than millennia. I'm 37, I'm not old! Yeah, <laughs> I'm a geek too. I was turned in 1993 by the woman of my dreams, literally. I don't kill people, at least I haven't yet. I don't brood or solve mysteries, but somebody wants me dead. Actually, <laughs> I guess they succeeded, but I'm feeling much better now. Care to hear more? Then check out lilith-love.com and come listen to Dan Charette podcast My Life Story so far. And that's our fanfic episode this week. Like I mentioned last time, we'll be putting out a fanfic episode every other week now, so watch out for Chapter 6 in two weeks. In the meantime, take care and thanks for listening. As always, if you have any comments or questions for us, please feel free to leave a comment on the site or email us at feedback at beinghumancast.com. We'd love to hear from you. Have a good one. We'll see you later. Okay. I'll see you later, guys. Being Human Cast is a non-profit podcast. Being Human is owned by the BBC and Touch Paper. No copyright infringement is intended. Music used is from Podsafe Audio. You can contact us at feedback at beinghumancast.com or via our website, www.beinghumancast.com. Okay, yeah. Yeah, we'll be here. We'll see you later.